Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. We are continuing in chapter 3 of Philippians. So if you would turn there with me in your copy of the Scriptures, we're going to Philippians chapter 3, and we will be in verses 12 through 16 today. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. So throughout this chapter, Paul has been laying out his testimony. He, uh, he addressed the, the warning, hey, pay attention for false teachers. And he begins then to go through, here's my life as an example. Last week, we saw Paul's life before Christ, all of his uh, legalism and self-righteousness, the gains and losses, and he came to realize that all of it is worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Any, any righteousness on our own does not compare to the righteousness that comes from Christ. That was last week. You could say Paul is an accountant for us. This week, uh, Paul is continuing his testimony, and he's, we've, we've looked at his life in the past. Now we're going to look at his life in the present. He's using his life as an example for believers, believers in Philippi and for us today. Last week, uh, we could say Paul was an accountant. He had the gains and losses, and he um, did all that work for us. If Paul's an accountant last week, uh, then this week, uh, today, for us, he is an athlete. He will be an athlete for us. This passage is full of athletic language. So I hope you brought your running shoes this morning, because we're going to need it uh, to get through this text uh, and, and to keep up with Paul, he's, he's going to set a good course for us today, and we're going to join with him. Follow along with me in Philippians 3, uh, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained." Let's pray as we begin. Father in heaven, you are glorious and you are holy. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would work in our hearts like you did in Lydia's day. Open our hearts to receive your word. Receive the message of Christ. Receive the word you have for us today from Philippians 3. Lord, shape our hearts, our minds, our lives based on your word. Lord, help us to walk and pursue Christ as we worship today, in Jesus' name, amen. So this is our text for today, and here is the proposition, here's the aim. There are four resolutions from the Apostle Paul, from this very text, and these resolutions come with no regrets. We could say no eternal regrets. There are four, four 
statements that I want each of us to be able to make today as a resolution. Resolved, I will. So let's just dive right in. Number one, first resolution from Paul, I will progress in the faith. I want every believer to say, I will make progress in my walk with Christ. This is verses 12 and 13. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. So just to highlight, you know, Paul has already laid out, remember all these things that I, that I thought were gain, I now consider it to be a loss. Instead, I see Christ as my greatest gain. I want to be found in him. I want to have a righteousness not of my own works, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's a lofty, high goal. And then in great humility, Paul says simply, I'm not there yet. I still have room to grow. I'm not already perfect. I've not obtained this goal yet, but I'm striving for it. So simply, to progress in the faith means to continue to grow as a Christian. Realize everyone is born into this world with a fallen, corrupt, sinful nature. This is because of the sin of Adam and Eve, and we share in that sinful corruption. All of humanity, fallen in sin, and separated from a holy and righteous God. Everyone is on the road to hell, eternal misery, eternal separation from God. But this is our catechism question. But God, being rich in mercy, sent forth his Son to rescue and redeem sinners like me and like us by paying the penalty for our sin through himself, and though he had no sin. So when a sinner comes to realize the seriousness of their sin and offense to God, and trust Christ as the only way to cover or atone for their sin, God takes that person from the path to hell and puts them on the path to heaven, the path of, path of righteousness. Jesus is the one who's changed everything for me. So where I once desired and loved my sin, I now desire and love Jesus Christ. And I mean, we saw that in Paul's, Paul's message last week. It's all a loss for the sake that I might gain Christ. So the Christian is someone who used to desire sin, but now desires righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ. So I want each of us to make this resolution. I want to grow in Christ-likeness. I want to grow in righteousness. I want more of, and more of my life to match and align with the righteousness of God. So that's both righteousness in his character in, in the way we carry our lives? There's this godliness and holiness or Christ-likeness. Often when we talk about this word righteousness, we're using in the, in the legal terminology that we say uh, a sinner must have the righteousness of Christ, like Paul says here. I need a righteousness from God that depends on faith. We're talking about that covering for sin, that legal, justifying type way. But the righteousness of God is, is so much more than just that legal element, that forensic element. It is moral, everything in conformity to God's perfect character, his holiness. Righteousness is to align with God's character and also his will or his kingdom, which is why Jesus would say in Matthew 5, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Do you desire the righteousness that comes from God? Holiness, Christ-likeness, and obedience to his will. That's all wrapped up in this, this one word, righteousness. Or Jesus says in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Instead, seek first Christ, his kingdom, and his righteousness. God intends for us to be aligned under him, his character and his kingdom. So I have some illustrations. Have you ever had to, you've ever driven your car and maybe just your, one of your tires or your steering system was not aligned properly? You go and try and drive and your car should go in a straight line, but instead it veers off to the left or to the right. And that's frustrating and really it's not even safe. The car is designed to drive in a straight line, but uh, just drive on one of these dirt roads, try and go to the office from here and be calling Dave, uh, can you align my tires again? So God intends for us to be aligned under him. I have another example. I learned this the hard way. A few weeks ago, I chipped a tooth. And uh, I just thought maybe I was an aggressive eater or I just was so hungry that day and just was chewing vigorously. Um, but broccoli really shouldn't cause any teeth to chip, I think. So uh, I went to the dentist and I'm chewing away and all of a sudden something doesn't seem right up here in the mouth area. So uh, I went to the dentist and he takes that mirror and he, okay, close and open and close and he's sticking around and he's, ah, uh, oh, ah, I see. What do you see? He says, well, one of your teeth is not aligned properly with the rest of your mouth. It has a high point that's just a little too high. And when I was chewing so strongly, the high point on the one tooth just hit the other one and crack, chip, there it goes. So I had to learn this. The, it's important for our teeth to be aligned properly. God, intent, God made our teeth to be that way, and yet when something's not in alignment, there's usually some consequences. This doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. And the point is, God intends for us to be aligned under him. And that's that word righteousness. That's what that word means. So simply, to progress in the faith means that you and I are growing in righteousness. So what's it going to take for us to do that? Letter A, this requires humility and discipline. Humility and discipline are essential. Paul says it already, not that I've already obtained this. He's, he's being humble. Every believer has room to grow. Paul's pointing out, uh, I'm not yet perfect. I'm not yet complete. God still has a work of righteousness to work in me, and that should be encouraging for each and every one of us because I will be the first to tell you there is a work of righteousness God needs to keep doing in me. And this is true for all of us. No one this side of eternity will ever be fully free from sin. So there's a big difference between sanctification or growing in holiness and perfectionism. I don't sin anymore. There's people who, who say that, that I don't ever sin. And you are just disagreeing with the Apostle Paul here. Because he said, I have not already obtained this or I'm already perfect. That's that complete He's not there yet. Paul has, he's just written 
that everything, he had just counted everything as a, as a loss that he might gain and know Christ. This is a work of sanctification. It's an ongoing work. God works in us from the moment of our conversion until he calls us home. His saving work will be completed in us. Humility says, I have room to grow. There's more work of grace that needs to happen in my heart and in my life. There's more sin that needs to be put to death and more conformity to Christ that I need to see transform my life. So can you think of an area, can we think of an area where you want or need God to work in you so that you will become more like Christ? Because this is what Paul, he lays it out for us. We have room to grow. But, he says, not only, okay, yeah, I have room to grow. I'm not perfect yet, but I press on. So there's humility, and there's also discipline. I press on. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. Paul instructed the church at Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, when Paul says here, I press on, the word means eager, earnest pursuit. Paul is saying that he is making every effort to obtain and fulfill the will and image of Christ in his life. Think about it. Very little comes to us in this life without effort, without work. To grow in Christ's likeness is worth it in every way. It comes, but it must come with great diligence and effort. This is what Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Grow up, Timothy. But rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What Paul is saying is, yes, physical pursuit and training is good. Godliness is even better. Godliness is beneficial in this life and for all eternity. Therefore, let's press on together. Let's grow together in our walk with Christ. It's worth it. We have the Holy Spirit to help us because God is sovereign. And we make every effort to fight sin and grow spiritually. We are responsible. There are regular spiritual disciplines and practices that help us to do this, help us to grow. The means of grace for every believer. One of them we're doing right now. We are taking in God's word. We're hearing it, reading it, thinking about it, studying it. The means of prayer, memorizing scripture. And there are others these are good gifts that God has given to us to help us to grow. So let's press on together. We can encourage one another in these ways of reading our Bibles. Many of us are going through the Bible reading plan together, and we are, I have room to, I have to catch up. I'm a few days behind, so let's press on together. I'm working on memorizing some scripture, and we can encourage one another in this way. It requires humility and discipline, and also this pursuit, this progress in the faith is both personal and purposeful. That's letter B. Personal and purposeful. Understand we have nothing without grace, without God's grace. See, Paul says, next, I make it my own. This faith that he's talking about, this pursuit of righteousness, is personal, but never isolated. Okay, there's a big difference here. 
Genuine saving faith is immensely personal. That's what Paul says. I press on to make it my own. This is where we, where we get down to the, the nitty-gritty, the, the fine details of our hearts. Our hearts are laid bare before the Lord. Realize that God sees and knows everything, even the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Have you come to the place in your life where you have personally repented from your sin and placed your faith, your full reliance upon Jesus Christ? Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. This is the call. The call for every believer is to set aside sin and pursue wholeheartedly Jesus Christ. Seek him. Run the race of faith. This is, every believer has a race to run for Christ. So wherever God has placed you, whatever gifts he's given you and skills, those are all given to you by the sovereign will and decree of God. The call and instruction for us today is to be faithful where, with what God has given you and where he's placed you. Come to the point of resolve and decision today to place your trust in Jesus Christ and resolved to walk in accordance with his will no matter what. This is personal and it's also purposeful. Uh, just look at this sentence here. and It's in verse 13. Do not consider, uh, because, uh, look, it's verse 12. He presses on, Paul says, because, here's the purpose, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is the important part. Without this verse, without this sentence, our efforts are in vain. So I want just, let's take this sentence and hide it in our hearts, memorize it, bookmark it, understand the reason we can grow and have any progress in the faith is because Christ Jesus is holding us right now. He has made us his own. Listen to this. Remember, Jesus died to save his people from their sins. He died the atoning sacrifice on the cross outside Jerusalem to cover over the sins of his people, to rescue a multitude, the elect, the saved chosen from among the nations, they had to be presented as his bride. Jesus promised, I will build my church. Jesus came to sanctify his bride, the church. So what this, this one sentence, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is Philippians 1, 6 all over again. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, just repeated. Philippians 1, 6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's what's so incredible about this, about this sentence. Here's what Paul is saying. I am striving to obtain that for which Christ has obtained for me. There's a, a present and a past. Paul's saying, I'm pressing on to obtain everything that Christ has for me because he has obtained me. He's apprehended me. He's held me in his hands. Paul's saying, I'm going to lay hold of, grasp, capture, attain all that Christ intends for me as his child because he has captured me. It's like the runner running to grab a baton, not going to let it go. I've got it in my grasp. Christ will not lose one of his own. That's what the word means. It's to apprehend. Literally, I will apprehend because Christ has apprehended me. This should give us great encouragement as believers that even on our worst days, our darkest days, Jesus won't lose us. We are captured by him. Jesus has made me his own. Can you say that this morning? Has Christ Jesus made you his own? Understand that this is the call of the gospel today. Christ Jesus will receive you if you turn from your sin and trust in him. And he won't lose you. He won't let you go. And therefore, this is why Paul is saying, I can make progress in the faith because I'm held. I'm safe in Jesus. Therefore, I will pursue him wholeheartedly. This is John 10, 27 to 30. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Christ Jesus has made me his own. The Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And just in case you weren't sure, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is God. That's why we can be kept. We're, we're held safe in his hands. This should provide great comfort in our walk with Christ. We can grow in our faith. We can take steps of obedience because Jesus holds us in his hand and will not lose us. This is pure grace. We don't deserve Christ, but he has chosen freely and full of love to hold his people forever. He will ensure that all his people will grow and progress and work, uh, complete his work until, it's complete, until he's completed his work in us. If you belong to Christ, he will not let you go. This should be good news and encouragement for us. Because Jesus has apprehended me, he's purchased me, he has made me his own. We're in his hand. This leads us to letter C, what Paul says. He press, he's pressing on because he's captured by Christ. And he says it again, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So letter C, keep looking and moving forward. Eyes up, everybody. Keep looking and moving forward. I know you're, you're looking at the screens, but then eyes up. Keep looking and moving forward. You see, Paul has a great ambition here. This one thing I do. He is absolutely determined to make every effort to maximize his life for the glory of God. And that's what I want for each and every one of us today. 
Will we maximize our lives for the glory of God and the good of one another? That's Paul's aim, this one thing I do. Just imagine what a church would be like if every member said with Paul, this one thing I do. What kind of ministry impact the church would have if every member applied this thinking to their own ministry? What one area of ministry do you have an influence in or want to have an impact here at Grace? Would you say that with Paul? This one thing I do. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to keep looking forward. That's what Paul says. He's going to forget what lies behind. Paul continues to demonstrate how he strives for his progress in his walk with Christ. He says there's two ways. First, he says he forgets the past. You see, before Christ, Paul was overly confident in, his, in himself, self-righteousness, boasting in his accomplishments and self-righteousness. But now he chooses not to elevate himself, but to elevate Jesus Christ. He chooses to boast in the Lord. If you want to boast in anything, let's say with Paul, I boast in the Lord. When we think about, so there, there's two ways that this can be effective for us today. When we say forgetting what lies behind, there may be some here today that struggle with thinking about all of the good things that have happened in the past or the good achievements or good progress that I've made. And it's easy then to get comfortable. Well, I've been faithful for however many years and I've seen God work in this way and I'm, I'm comfortable. I start to coast. And Paul doesn't do that. He says forgetting what lies behind, I'm gonna strain for what's ahead. But another way that this can help us is when we say forgetting what lies behind, there may be some that are struggling with, what about my mistakes and my failures? The ways that I didn't pursue Christ the way I wanted, the ways I didn't walk in obedience. Is there hope for me? And the answer here is the same. Forgetting what was behind and press on to what's ahead. This, this meets every believer, wherever you're at right now, you can say, I'm gonna Thank God for where I came from. Lord, forgive me where I came from. I'm gonna move forward. This helps every believer to grow. This is, this is what discipleship is, helping one another to follow Jesus. It takes eyes up ahead, forgetting what lies behind. You know, uh, Tony Evans, he's the one that I heard him say this first. You know, your car, you have a windshield and a rear view mirror. The windshield is a whole lot bigger than the rear view mirror. Yeah, it's important to, Okay, I, I can see what was behind me, but my eyes are way more focused on what's ahead. That's what Paul's saying. I'm going to forget what was behind, and I'm going to press on to what is ahead. Uh, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So what Paul's saying is, Yep, God has been gracious to me beyond measure, and I don't deserve it. And therefore, I'm going to strive. I'm going to work harder than all the rest, but it's only because God's grace is working in me. And this is true for every single believer. We can grow in our faith because God is gracious to enable us to grow. So, here, just to think about this, uh, when Paul says straining forward to what lies ahead, this, uh, this straining is a very intense straining, like a, like a muscular type straining. 
He's picturing in mind the, the runner who has extended every muscle to make it to the finish line. He's fixed all his attention on the present and the future. I know because of Christ where I'm going. This is, uh, this is the, the, the picture of a runner who's running, striving ahead to run. Every muscle flexed towards the finish line. Paul has already said earlier in Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Pressing on in the faith is to strive to experience and conform to the grace of God working in our lives. And this is worth pursuing. Strain forward to what lies ahead. So the genuine believer is someone who resolves, the genuine believer resolves to progress in the faith. Number two, our second resolution is I will pursue Christ above all. This is verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Three, three observations I want to make just on this verse. First, uh, letter A, that this pursuit of Christ above all is a lifelong pursuit. Lifelong, that's letter A. I want to encourage everybody, go for the goal, okay? The finish line is approaching. That's what Paul is saying here. I press on to the goal. Literally, this word is referring to the finish line at the end of a race. Paul is saying that his aim is to finish well, to live a whole life worthy of, of Jesus Christ. He, Paul says uh, at, towards the end of his life, the last letter he writes, the se- uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I said a little bit earlier, each of us has a race to run for Christ. Sure, there'll be trip-ups and hazards along the way, but to know and gain Christ is worth it. The promise is clear. There is a crown of righteousness that all believers will share and gain because they're simply sharing in the glory of Christ. Therefore, let's run to win. Let's strive to push through the tape Don't neglect gathering with the people of God if you want to remain faithful for a lifetime. I saw, I I looked up, I remember this from some years ago, the clip, you may may remember this from 2015, there was a track track race that was going on at University of Oregon. And the runner, clear, just top dog, top runner, he's charging away. And he sees, okay, I'm getting close, and he starts to, look around and start cheering up the crowd. Hey, I'm going to win. And what he doesn't see is somebody else is right behind him. And sure enough, the guy goes charging away. And the guy who was just celebrating moments before, second place, lost it all at the last minute because he took his eyes off the finish line, off the goal. So that's what Paul is encouraging the believers here. Fix your eyes on the goal and the prize. This letter B, a great reward. There is a prize of our salvation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. In other words, run to win, Corinthians. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul, as he says here, he presses on toward the goal for the prize. He's running to win. Therefore, he's putting in maximum effort, maximum discipline. Paul knows that Christ is worthy of all our best efforts because Jesus paid a high cost to save us from our sins. For the believer, the prize of our salvation is Christ himself and eternal, everlasting joy with him. There can be no higher prize for the Christian That's what Paul says, resurrection, I will be raised with Christ one day. That's my prize, so I'm pursuing Christ above all. Remember, we must remember the great reward for following Christ because the things of this world and Satan, our enemy, want us to forget or or neglect, to be consumed or distracted with lesser things. Paul says, fix your eye on the prize, Philippians and run well for Jesus Christ. He says it, I press on toward the goal for the prize, and lastly, this upward call. This word upward, this letter C, is a heaven word. That's what the word means. This upward is, is referring to heaven. I love this. I love this word. Think about it. Believers are ones who experience the upward, the heavenly call of Christ. The pursuit of Christ become. The pursuit of Christ comes from the heavenward call of God. If you have come to faith in Christ, it is because God has called you to himself. The effectual call of God comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us a new heart. The call changes our hearts, changes what we desire, what we're motivated for. Do you remember the the chorus from the, the, the hymn, Turn Your Eye Upon Jesus? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm striving. I'm pursuing Christ. I have this high heavenly call from God. That's where I'm going. So here's what the believer says is, I know my trajectory. I know where I'm going. I know my ultimate destination at the end of life. I was on the road to hell, but God called me, and now my aim is heavenward. My, literally, my eyes are fixed to heaven. That's where Jesus is. So I'm striving for it. And this is true for every believer. Every believer shares in this heavenward call. So let's encourage one another. Jesus, remember, he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The believer is one who is heavenly minded, not earthly minded, and desires to see that each and every day. So not only will the genuine believer be resolved to pursue Christ above all, but number three, the third resolution, I will protect myself from error. I will protect myself from error. This is verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. So think about, think about athletes for a moment. Athletes take great care by what they put into their bodies. What's in, the, what's in this food? How much am I having to drink? How much, what's my water? What's my calorie intake? How much am I exercising? What muscle groups am I exercising? They, they, there's training involved. They, athletes take care about who they let have influence in their lives. Who's going to be my trainer? Who's my coach? Do they have my best interest in mind? Are they going to help me do my best at this game of this sport? So what Paul is, is demonstrating now is there is a, there's a right and safe way for believers to live. He's calling, he's calling the Philippians to, to walk in this way. Letter A, protection from error involves what I think, feel, and do. That's what, what are we putting inside ourselves, inside our minds? Paul is addressing the church to be wise and discerning as to what they believe and who they allow to have influence. So Christian, believer, pay attention as to who and what gets the influence of your thoughts and where your standard of morality comes from. What's true? What is good? What is best? This is what every faithful shepherd wants their, for their flock, to, to be mature. Paul says at Colossians 1, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what Paul's desire. I want you to be mature. I want you to grow up in a, in a right way, looking to Christ and becoming more like Christ. The word means perf- to be perfected, to be completed. So specifically, Paul's addressing the, the concern of legalism, that righteousness can be gained through human effort rather than Christ. But really, this, this, this counsel, this instruction is for any thought or human opinion that would set itself against Christ. Do we let our thinking be shaped by what is true and what is right? Let those of us who are mature think this way. He's calling everybody, hey, make sure your thinking is in line with what's true. And this includes our, our feelings, our actions, to be conformed to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, listen to the strong language that Paul uses. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we destroy arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What Paul's saying to the Corinthians here is, I want you all to know what's true and reject what's false. Be ready to line up under Christ. And that's what Paul's saying in a different way here in Philippians. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Be correct in our thinking. And if, and if in anything you think otherwise, are you checking? God will reveal that to you also. So here's, here's how that happens. Uh, letter B. This, uh, this protection from error requires both God's word and God's people. So, all, so notice there's a change in this section. Paul was using a lot of I, I, I language, and now he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. He says, brothers, what are we surrounding ourselves with? So here's a question. 
Where do we go for our thinking to be corrected? We go to the word of God and to the people of God. Paul highlights again that we need the community of believers to look out for one another. Those of us who are mature. It's like what Paul Tripp says. I need you to help me see me rightly because we all have spiritual weak spots and blind spots. God also uses his word to help correct us in what is true. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed, pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our thinking, it starts with our thinking, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So here's how, here's how our thinking and our living gets corrected. Here's how we protect ourselves from error. We use God's word. That's the promise. If there's anything that is off in our thinking, God will, re- will reveal that to you. So we do that by testing our thoughts and our thinking through the word of God. And God gives us brothers and sisters who are m- more mature in a different spot in their life of following Christ to help correct us. If something or someone does not meet the standard of truth of God and his word, then repent, correct your thinking, God is ready to forgive today. Understand that. Be be on your guard against error. Hold fast to what is true. So be resolved. I will protect myself from error. And now lastly, our fourth resolution. I will persevere to the end. This is verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Here's what I, I love this phrase, this phrase, hold true. In the Greek, it, it literally means to walk, walk in line, like walk according to truth. And this is, the, this is a good corrective for us. If believers, if we're going to persevere, if we're going to overcome despite difficulty and trial throughout our life, we're going to need to hold on to the line of the gospel and sound doctrine. Hold on. Walk the line. Don't deviate. This is like if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, Christian, he's set on the road to the celestial city, that the, the heavenward call, and he is on his way to heaven. But somewhere down the way, he gets distracted. He sees this meadow, bypath meadow. It looks so comfy, and it looks like the road's going to be easier that way. It's a nice field, and he goes off. He leaves the, the safety. There's these guardrails on the road. He walks under the guardrail and gets in the, he's lost in the meadow and he's captured and goes through some despair and difficulty. Understand in the Christian life, there will be difficulty and opposition. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Pursue with great diligence the calling and end of our salvation. Persevere. We can do it by God's grace and only by God's grace. So we walk according to the truth. The truth. Hold, hold true to the line. That's letter A. Walk according to the truth. This is what that word means. Walk, stay the course, stay the line. Don't deviate. Listen to what uh, Peter writes in his letter. 2 Peter 1. It's a longer section, but... Follow along with me. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
So just quick pause. God promises here by his divine power to, to confirm and guarantee all things that we need that pertain to life and godliness. It's promised. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, that heavenward call, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being nearsighted or ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. In other words, you will persevere. For if in this way, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter's taking a lot of time here to simply highlight, church, I want you to persevere. And the way we do that is through discipline, the pursuit of godliness. And just when you think, I can't do it on my own, that's exactly right, because we need the divine power of God to pursue and persevere to the end. So we walk according to the truth. And lastly, letter B, if we're going to persevere to the end, we must never, never forget the gospel. The only way that we came to faith in the first place was through the gospel. The only way we were saved from our sin is through the gospel. The only way we can guarantee I will make it to heaven is because of the gospel. Because the work of atoning for my sin and your sin was already finished at the cross. I'm simply trusting in Christ. And I call you to trust in Christ today. So realize if we're going to persevere, it's going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to be certain about it, to be clear about it. What is the gospel? That's what Paul says. Let us hold true to what we have attained, what's been given to us. So just, just a few ways just to help, keep it, help us to remember the gospel. There was creation, Genesis 1. God created all things by his powerful word. He spoke and created everything from nothing. He created man and woman in his own image, and after creation, there was fall. Adam and Eve were tempted into sin and disobeyed, and because of that, plunged all of humanity into sin. And from that very moment, Genesis 3, the, the humanity was lost in sin, but God begins to make a way, redemption. From one man, Abraham, says, in you I shall bless all the nations. And from Abraham, he forms a kingdom. And David, and the line of David is given. And this thread of redemption is set all the way from Genesis 3 to Revelation, consummation. God created us, and we were accountable to him. 
We are sinful and in need of a Savior, but Jesus Christ is the only one who can be our perfect Savior. He's fully God, and he's fully man, and he will save you today. There's redemption in Jesus Christ, and the call of the gospel is respond. Have you turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ? These are the things we must never forget. It's the gospel. So to summarize, the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. Four resolutions for every believer that come with no eternal regrets. By God's grace, will you say, would this be your prayer today? I will progress in the faith. I will pursue Christ above all. I will protect myself from error, and I will persevere to the end. By God's grace, let us press on for the glory of Christ. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, you are mighty and you are merciful. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. That Jesus holds us up this very moment. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from our sin. I pray that you would help me and help each and every one of us in this room, listening to this message and as it goes out, let us be resolved to follow Christ at all costs, to be found in him, to treasure him. Lord, help us to walk in obedience, treasuring, treasuring you and being joyful in you. Lord, thank you that you will hold us up. And we trust you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.